Hey, what's up, ladies and gents? Welcome back to the Relax Running Podcast today. You're in for a treat with a friend of mine by the name of Lydia O'Donnell. Lydia is a marathon runner, but she's uh, even more than that. She's a marathon coach, a running coach, and has, within the last 12 months, launched her business, which is called Femi, which we talk a little bit more about in this particular episode today. Uh, Lydia and I met for the first time back in 2010 when we were on the same trip for the World University Cross Country Champs. She was a New Zealander rocking by herself over there. So us Aussies, I think, I don't know if we took her under her wing or if she took us under her wing. Either way, we were mates on this particular trip and had a whole heap of fun. So always nice to catch up with a quality athlete, quality person like Lids and uh, and just pick her brain on all things running. It's uh, uh, She's the kind of person that regardless of how long you've been in the sport, whether you're brand new, whether you've been around for ages, can always leave with something else in your pocket to take away and learn from in the distance running scene. Just a little reminder, if you want to get more from the Relaxed Running, you can get all of that over at relaxedrunning.com. Just a quick reminder, if you or any of your mates are football fans, we've got a 20% discount on the AFL Distance Running membership at Relaxed Running until September the 30th. So it's only two days away. The coupon code is AFLRUNNING20, so that'll get you 20% off all of those memberships so make sure you you shoot the message out to any of your mates who might find that enjoyable but hey enough from me let's get straight into it today with our absolute superstar runner and human uh lydia o'donnell how uh how have you been finding it it's such a i don't know what you're like technically but for me it's so funny still i've been doing this for what uh like nearly two years yeah and still I've, I've i've got it a little more down pat now like in terms of i know which hole to plug the cords into and how to make a phone call on skype but there's still there's just endless things to improve and adjust and stuff how have you how have you guys found the process yeah, funny you're literally the only person i use skype for so like <laughs> does everyone what does everyone else use Zoom mostly. Um, yeah. Sure. So we use Zoom, um, and yeah, it's been fine so far. So um, it saves just you know, I mean, I haven't gone into like editing and stuff yet, but the way that we've been rolling it, the sound quality seems alright. So that's <laughs> so funny. Not that so it's like I'm, I'm sort of everyone's moved onto Facebook, and I'm still sitting at MySpace. Is that what? Is that what's happened? <laughs> I, I mean, I wasn't going to say anything. But... <laughs> You were so polite as well, because 15 minutes before we uh, before I gave you a call, I just messaged you. I go, hey, Skype okay? And you just gave me a yep. I didn't know how much. I didn't know how much aggression was behind your yep. Like, whoa, this guy's still stuck in the past. What a... <laughs> I like variety, and um, I like opening Skype up for the first time in 2021. It's been good. <laughs> what? So the, the last time you opened Skype was when you and I chatted last time. Okay. Oh man, that's so funny. This is the last time I ever use Skype, just so I know. I'm going to go to people. Is there any other like really advanced platforms that would make me look technically savvy? Like Google Teams, is that a thing? I'm just saying words. A great experience with Google Teams. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Zoom to me is the easiest platform to use. Yeah, okay. Okay. So when did you say you're planning on, uh, you've done a couple of practice episodes, but when are you planning on releasing your first episode with, with Femi? Hopefully in the next few weeks. Yeah, we're going to do um, some episodes just between Esther and I speaking about some topics and then we're going to do interviews every second week as well. So have some, um, yeah, some powerful females come and speak to us, which will be cool. That's really good. So are you, are you focused solely on, on athletes or are you just focused on powerful females in general? You just want to, uh, are you covering like the physical side, the mental side, a little bit of everything? A little bit of everything and yeah, just females, um, but not specifically 
be elite athletes. Like we want to speak to all females. We think, you know, every girl's got a story to tell and um, we want to share those stories and understand kind of what else goes on in the world of females aside from just, I guess, movement and sport. Like we know movement and sport is kind of the voice for us to reach females and talk to them about empowerment and confidence. And, and it's obviously a way to grow confidence, but there's so many other things that go on in our lives. So we definitely want to dive pretty deep into that as well. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think last time you were you were on here, we were having a bit of a chat about you know some of the inspiration and stuff behind it. But I, it's been a little while now, so you're going to have to refresh me. Obviously, there's a lot more listeners that jump on here now than there were 12 months ago. So, so just for those uh, who might be tuning in for the first time, it's the first time they've heard of Femi. Just want to give us a bit more of a an overview. Like I know you've given us a little more of a taste test there with with who it is that you're speaking to and why. But um, like, I'd love to hear a little more of the inspiration about why you decided to get it started. Yeah. And- very early days of Femi. We launched Femi about a year ago now and it was and it still is a female specific coaching company where we coach all of our females to their physiology and coach them to their menstrual cycles. So um, every athlete we work with it's very hands-on and every session that we provide the athletes is all based on where they are at with their hormones and the hormonal fluctuations that happen throughout the menstrual cycle um, change how we um, program and write programs for our athletes so it's yeah very hands-on um and it's a very holistic approach to training and um, to running specific coaching at the moment um but we have definitely grown and where we want to take the company in the future is pretty exciting and it is going to be a lot more than just a running coaching company and we're really excited to hopefully educate and inspire not just females but males to pay more attention and to understand how to work with females better and not just in running hopefully every sport that we can reach yeah it looks really good I've, I've sort of i've kept an eye on it i follow you guys on instagram and your your instagram is the kind of page that always makes me realize that i'm not up to scratch with the things that i'm posting and femi's exactly the same every time i see a post i'm like all right there's some there's been some thought behind that i always go hey that's a pretty good photo of me running my quads look fantastic the lighting looks okay you can see my head that photo is acceptable but i go to yours so have you got you i know you've done a little bit of work with the great man riley wolf i don't think i'm making that up but where who are taking your photos because the photos are like every shot up there is just high quality oh thank you yeah riley's taken a few of my photos back in the day but it's um more recently it's been a lot of my photos are shot by a photographer here in melbourne called maddie smith who works for his company is called harrington studios so he's incredible he's such a creative mind and i'm i love working with him and i think it does I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence about the images I post because I do realize they are professional photos and they have been taken by a photographer of course we're going to select the best, best photos of the lot and I am a lot more aware of like putting out an image that looks perfect to people not saying that I'm perfect but the photos you know they can give off an image and I guess um, a feeling of intimidation to people if these photos they look you know super fit and you know the form's great whatever you got to understand that there is, you know, time and effort put into a lot of those photos and that my running form and style does not look perfect like that. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, you are a nice looking runner. You've got a good technique on you when you, when you do move, but it is, it's actually a, it's a relief for me to, to hear that because, uh, I, if you had have come on here and said, yeah, you just set your iPhone up on a, on a platform somewhere and just run past three times with the 10 second timer, I think I probably would have just shut my Instagram page down. I think when I first started on Instagram, probably 10 or so years ago, um, 
I was 100% a runner who would set my phone up while I was out running and put on the 10 second timer and <laughs> and I honestly think that's part of you know where I am now was just putting in that time and effort to do that back in the day because um it did take a lot of energy and you know when you're out on runs you just to me I just wanted to run but I realized that I needed content to be able to reach people and to be able to motivate other people to run as well. And so I would put in that time and energy to stop on my runs regularly and try and get a shot. And it's funny that I think about that now, but um, I think with the content that I put out, yes, the photos are beautiful because they're shot by an amazing photographer and in mostly beautiful places. But um, the content that I'm trying to push, you know, I made it, um, I guess, um, I, I made a, um, what do I call it? A, I don't know what I want to say here. Like a, um, I said to myself at the start of the year, I'm not going to post anything just to post something. I think um, I was like, I'm only going to post things that have purpose, you know? And like, even though sometimes I'll post like a bunch of random photos and say something random, there, to me, there's still purpose behind it. I'm not just going to post a photo and be like, look at me and look at this and whatever. Um, I think purposeful posting is really important um, because there's so much that goes on in the social media world that, um, you know, we're throwing so much information and photos and content stuff all the time. Like, and we're moving at such a quick pace. I think it's important to put stuff out there that actually makes a difference to people. And so, yeah, even last night I posted a whole bunch of random photos about um, just things that I miss at the moment. And it, to me, although I miss those things and part of me feels sad that I miss them, more of me feels excited about the future and what, you know, is going to happen in the years to come to get back into real life and doing those normal things. So I hoped that inspired other people to get excited rather than, you know, we're living in a pretty negative world at the moment and mm. there's a lot of bad things happening and we're really focusing on that. But to be like, cool, hopefully sometime soon we're actually going to be able to travel and run marathons around the world and do things that actually... Um, excite us so hopefully that kind of flips people's you know negativity into some sort of positivity in life because I think it's what we need <laughs> it's it's amazing how how tricky it's like it's a beautiful perspective it's it's so well said it's amazing how how easily it is in these moments I know for me anyway you'll you'll hear a negative news report that you disagree with and you'll spend the next you know a couple of hours just stewing on it and coming up with arguments in your head about how wrong it is and before you know it you can just go down this rabbit hole of of negativity but what you said is is so true and i always try and remind myself like if i catch myself going down that rabbit hole of negativity just try and take a, a fresher approach to it and there's a variety of ways that i i do that through one of my favorite ways i'm sure you'd be all over this kind of stuff is is just through thought challenging have you have you done much of that like i think that's uh, cbt is the official psychological name that they give to it but it's essentially just um you know I, I guess it looks at mindfulness a little bit and it's just paying a bit of attention to the storylines that are going through your head uh recognizing the thinking errors that you're making and and sort of challenging that thought with some with some stronger practical tools and uh, for me like if i'm consistent with that i always say it's like a training program for my mind it doesn't feel like it's doing a, a great deal at the start but then if you're consistent with it for a for a week or a month I always notice that there's a at least a little bit more resilience or a little bit of a stronger foundation to to build that positivity of, uh, uh, upon. But like, what kind of things are you doing to sort of just keep yourself sane and positive? And I, I know it's easy on a podcast to to put our best face on, but like it, at the moment for for the challenges um, of what's been a sort of pretty tough twelve months for you, how how do you navigate your way through that that difficult period? Yeah, it has. It's probably been the hardest 
year of my life so far. So it's been a pretty big emotional roller coaster, and I think there's definitely been times where I've felt pretty lost and alone, and really like questioned all the things that I'm doing and where I'm at in my life. But I, I think to me, it's pretty simple in ways that you can like flip that narrative and really change the way that you're approaching things. And I think even though when we're going through challenges, you know, when I found out my dad was sick, I think being able to show some form of gratitude for the things in your life that are going well or the love and support you feel from your family is small things. I think gratitude is the easiest way to actually change a negative mindset into something that's a bit more positive. And it's incredible what some sort of like positivity can do for you, you know, and can completely change your day, your week and your entire life if you can try and focus on the good things and you know although it's been a challenging year there's been some silver linings that have come out of it for me especially like the way that we've been able to put energy into Femi and grow that and you know although I had to spend um, I shouldn't say had to I spent three and a half months back in New Zealand which was amazing to be able to be there with my family and spend time with them I was also able to focus you know on the business and myself and what I wanted to do with my life as well so definitely like being positive and, and, and finding those silver linings there's always gonna they're always gonna be there somewhere um and I think the other one is just like being vulnerable as well like I think mm. it's you know it's seen as vulnerability in the past has been seen as <clears throat> a weakness but it's the complete opposite I think when you can be vulnerable it's a sign of strength um and I think it also shows that you feel safe enough to you're in a safe environment to be able to be vulnerable like I think that's a, um, a blessing, you know, and another thing to be grateful for that I feel like I'm a pretty open person. And although I don't go a lot into my own personal life through, you know, social media and stuff, I do try to um, let people in when I need to, to be able to get the help and support when I need it um, to look after my own mental and physical health. So I think gratitude and vulnerability are really big um, players and just trying to be positive. And then I guess like, things that I do on a daily to try and stay positive is when we're in a lockdown especially is create some structure in my life so just make sure that I have you know um, a daily plan and every day I start by getting up and going for a run and to me like if I didn't have that you know set every single morning I probably I don't know what I'd do every day I probably would just stay in bed but I think you know because I love running so much as well it gives me something to like bounce out of bed for and have a coffee and get out the door and even days where I feel tired or fatigued and I don't feel like going for a run I'll still do it because I know within 10 or 15 minutes of being out there I'll be so grateful and thankful that I actually did it so um creating structure and you know even because I work for myself obviously and I'm at home by myself all day um but having a routine of like going for a run coming back breakfast sitting down at the desk getting through a few meetings or whatever um and then getting out at the end of the day and going either for a walk or another run and getting some fresh air like that sort of structure has really definitely got me through over the last few months slash few years (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, it's a really good point i'm exactly the same there's always there's not many days that i go for a run and feel worse for it when i get home like i was i was trying to explain to someone uh she messaged me i'm actually not sure where she's from but she messaged me just asking for a little bit of advice through instagram saying that she's trying to train up for a you know the marathon distance and she went for a an 18k run just just last week and she said it was just a horrendous experience in the sense that she went out she just felt so bad she'd had such a good 16k run the the week prior and uh she said it just really shook her up a little bit and and you mentioned just then when you were saying that you'll go out for a you know a morning run it's a great way to kickstart your day that 
you know, even if you're tired on those runs or even if you don't necessarily feel 100%, you'll always get home and, you know, be grateful for the fact you've gone out, you've exercised, you've moved your body, hopefully copped a little bit of a tan or whatever Melbourne offers you in the tan department down here. I'm doing my best as well. We're not we're not giving a whole heat right now, Liz. But, uh, but how do you navigate? Because this is something that I think maybe I took for granted just through the years of being on so many runs. I just know that part of the part of the package is every now and then you're going to go out for a run and just feel like absolute shit for no apparent reason. <laughs> maybe physically, maybe mentally, sometimes a combination of both. And you can come home and be like, man, I feel as though I'm making zero progress in this field despite how much training I'm, I'm putting in. And this is actually probably something that you'd be able to speak to more than me because I can't say I have a heap of experience training through a menstrual cycle but I'm sure with women that's probably like a, a quite a physical burden that they've got to try and navigate through if you're not aware of uh, you know how to how to manage it how to deal with it when to run through it but is, is that something you can speak to a little bit more um, just in terms of navigating your way through those difficult times and the tide at uh, the times of tiredness yeah. um, especially that some of these women are going through yeah for sure and like I can definitely speak to this right now because I'm in the middle of like marathon training and I've been doing some pretty big weeks and you know majority of my runs I'm pretty tired on them and my legs are pretty sore so it's just working through I guess for them understanding um the purpose of the run you know and and for me my afternoon runs are always just easy jogs and so I never put pressure on myself to go out there and run a certain pace like I forcefully try and run myself to run slow like I just pull Mm -hmm. the pace right back and just know that that's okay and that's the purpose of the run you know making sure that it is a really slow run when it comes to the menstrual cycle obviously like the hormonal changes in our bodies is going to change the way that we feel day to day and this is why for me we try and take all of that into account because we don't want to go and push a girl to have to go and do a hard session when her hormones are really high and she, we just know that she's not going to be feeling her best. So we try to take that information and adapt her program to suit how she's actually feeling and make sure she's actually doing more recovery running or easy running or more rest days um, when her hormones are in her high hormone phase. And then when she goes back into her low hormone phase, that's when we know we can push her a little bit harder. So being aware of those changes throughout your hormone cycle and aware of your menstrual cycle you know, at all is so important because there's no point pushing your body when you are like super fatigued or tired and your body's just not recovering properly. So, you know, I'm at a point in my training now that I'm constantly sore and tired and I know I need to have a bit of a break. So I'm going to be taking a down week next week just to absorb all the training I've done over the last couple of months and let the body refresh. Cause I think if I just keep going the way I'm going, I'm going to end up just digging myself into a hole. And I think it's just mm. making some smart decisions around your training like that. You know, you understand what the purpose is of each session, but also what the purpose of your training is and what the end goal is, and then trying to adapt the training so that your body is like adapting and absorbing the training the right way so you don't end up either burning out, getting too fatigued, or getting injured. Yeah, it's a really good point. I'm not sure if you noticed this with the, with the athletes that you work with. And I've been in this sport now for, for 20 years, actually, like probably just over 20 years. And it's amazing how often I can still fall into the attitude of, uh, you know, as long as I'm training, everything's fine. And uh, we're so good at pushing ourselves, aren't we? We're so good at making sure that we do the work. So some of us, you know, like obviously there's times in our life where we can't re- really be bothered getting out the door and putting in the work. But uh, for, for a majority of distance runners, I would make the stereotype that from the people I've met, we're, we're very good at putting in the hard work. But what we're really bad at is having the down week, having the week where we allow, we, uh, allow our body to sort of absorb the work that we've been putting in, 
to recover, to prep up for, for the next week. And it's amazing if we can be disciplined enough, because I know for me, it takes a lot of discipline to say, all right, Tice, you're not being a hero this week, mate. All right, this is all part of the plan. Just back it up, turn the uh, turn the pace down just a little bit and uh, maybe cut the distance. But there's very few times where I'll have an easy week and I won't be grateful for it a couple of weeks a couple of weeks later, like is that is that still a challenge for you, or have you just sort of started to recognise the importance of a of a week like that as a as a part of your training? I think um, I do find it hard to take down weeks because I do love running and I love the way that hard sessions make me feel. But I know now, you know, through the experience of training and and um, competing, you know, at the elite level for the last ten years, I think. I know now what my body needs and what it doesn't need and I've made many of those mistakes in the past and it didn't get me anywhere so I think now I'm like understanding that I don't want to go through that again um, so taking down weeks and rest days and stuff is important at times um, but what I think is probably the most dangerous part and why a lot of people probably struggle to take down weeks or even rest days is because of the digital atmosphere of running now you know like everyone is on, on platforms where they're constantly sharing their um their runs and their uploads and their paces and their distances and their week, weekly mileage and i think it's um a bit of a dangerous space for people to be in because it's so competitive and mm. you know when you um are uploading your training all the time to impress other people to take a down week the anxiety that people feel that you're not uploading you know like it's actually quite severe and it's and it's kind of scary to think that I know these platforms were designed to inspire and motivate people to move which is amazing obviously um but I think people get so consumed have been got so consumed by it and the competitive nature of it that it's making people make the wrong decisions when it comes to their own training and also their own health. And um, I think we all need to take a bit of a step back and realise, you know, people aren't going to miss you if you don't upload to Strava for a week and people aren't going to judge you, you know, for putting up a slower run. Um, I think more people will be inspired by that than seeing you uploading fast runs, you know, seven days a week. So um, it's, a, it's a hard one because I definitely want people to be motivated to move, mm. move in the right way. Actually, I listened to a Joe Rogan episode about two weeks ago. I don't know if you've heard it. Uh, it was with a, she's a psychiatrist and she was speaking specifically about, I think, I hope I've got the, I hope my memory served me correctly. I'm pretty sure it was her. I'll put it in the show notes. But she was speaking all about the addiction with, with exercise technology. And she, she spoke to, uh, she essentially, you know, they went into a conversation about this for about half an hour about just the lure of, of what you were just explaining, constantly feeling as though, you know, tomorrow's run has to be better than yesterday's run and, and then the next day's run has to be better than that. And I, I noticed the same thing. I've got I've got so many experiences lead to where I'll, uh, like one in particular stands out where I hadn't been doing a whole heap of running and uh, I just got my Garmin and I just signed up for Garmin, uh, uh, for Strava and I knew that there were plenty of people who had, you know, signed up to follow my runs and I remember I was supposed to be going out for an easy run and I, it's so embarrassing to admit, but about 3Ks into my run, I must have been averaging about 5 minute 20K pace and I thought, come on Toss, this isn't going to look too impressive on your Strava and I just started ramping it up. I remember getting about 8Ks in and I'm like, man, I'm not fit enough to be running the pace that I'm running at right now and it just it turned out just to be a, a run that, you know, on the watch, it actually looked quite impressive 
But if you woke, uh, if you had seen the state that I was in when I woke up the following morning, it was like, mate, that was that was. Um, there's no way I'm running today. <laughs> it was a pure ego trip where I was getting yeah. just so excited and uh, and thinking about all the likes that I'd get for this particular run. It is amazing. Like we're such, and and you can probably speak to this, you know, in more depth than me because I remember having a chat last time we were on about you know your experience in your family with addiction and. Um, it's uh, it is amazing that our nature seems so inclined just to become obsessed so often with with the things that we enjoy or the things that just you know release like a nice little bit of dopamine. It's it's funny because you think of uh, as you say you think of these platforms as an inspirational way to make sure that you you know you've got some support and you've got people to cheer you on. But uh, I guess the 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 sucker punch side of that is that you just can get fully trapped into never taking that that down week that you were speaking about. It's just so important for us to, to be aware of it because it is dangerous, you know, and I think um, to me, like, I'm definitely addicted to running and I know that I'm addicted to running and I'm very aware of it and that's why next week, although I see it as a down week and, like, taking a bit of a rest and um, pulling back my Ks a lot, I I see it as a challenge for myself and, I, I mean, who doesn't love a challenge? Like, yeah. I see it as a challenge mentally for me to be like, it's okay to, like, pull your Ks right back and let the body absorb the training and, you know, you're actually going to benefit from that. But seeing it, I think, to me, if you're someone like me who loves um, competing and you love a challenge, I think if you do, do need to force yourself into a rest mode, see it as something that um, you'll be really proud of yourself for doing if you get through it. So rather than seeing it as like, oh, a week off is going to make me unfit, people are going to judge me, my, you know, I'm not going to be uploading as much as I was before. But, I mean, personally, I stay off Strava. I don't have anything really to – I mean, I've got a profile, but I don't upload anything. Yeah. Um, and I don't look at Strava at all. Like, I just don't have the, the time or energy to look at – Is it just because of what we've been talking about? I think it's a little bit of um, I don't want to compare myself to other people and I don't want to see what other people are doing. I know what works for me um, and I need to focus on that rather than seeing either my competitors or, you know, people that I know that I'm faster than or whatever and seeing them doing sessions that, you know, are really insane sessions, which is good for them. But, like, I just don't want to get consumed by what other people are doing. I think all of us should focus purely on ourselves and stop like comparing ourselves to other people because you know i think if you can put all your energy into your own basket then you're always going to do much better so um that's part of it and then i guess yeah i just it does make me frustrated at times seeing some training that some people do i just i want to step into a point i think and just like try and give them some um advice but it's not really my place so i'm <laughs> be and um yeah, unfortunately, you see them a few months later and they've, like, stopped uploading because they've got injured or burnt out, which is sad. Um, but, yeah, I just – I think people just need to be more aware of kind of, like, the pressures that they feel from these fitness platforms because running in particular should be something that really benefits your mental health and not the other way around. You know, you, mm. it shouldn't be weighing on you and creating anxiety if you're uploading a run that's, you know, 30 seconds per case slower than your normal runs. Like, it seems crazy that that's even a thing now, but it is. Yeah, I don't know if I told you this last time we spoke, but um, like along a single, similar train of thought, I, I asked Stewie McSwain what kind of pace he runs his easy runs at. And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. He goes, they might be four minutes, they might be six minutes. I just don't pay any, I, I don't run with a watch. And I was like, well, that's a, it's pretty crazy that like a, Australia's best male runner is, is so uninterested in in the stats because you can it, it can get so obsessive and 
I used to have the Garmin set with that little beep. So every time that little beep would go off, I'd have a look down. I was like, oh, that was a 358K. That was pretty good. Feel not too bad. And then the next run you go out, you know, you, you feel as though you're putting in the same effort and it says, oh, that was 457. It's like, oh, what's going on? It's just, it's amazing. And, and you'd know better, uh, probably better about, uh, more about this than, than what I would. But it's amazing just how much whatever we're going through can, uh, can impact our, our, our physical body and, and just cause the times to fluctuate. There's been so many runs where 350 pace feels so much easier than five minute pace. And I, I guess once you learn to accept that, just know that it's a part of the journey, it's a lot easier to accept. But um, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, which I was always interested in, because at the end of each season, I used to take a, <clears throat> excuse me, I used to take a, like a two week easy, easy break. Like some, for a while there was just no running for two weeks. And then I sort of felt like coming back, for, back from that, I was a little bit too sluggish. So I'd go out and, you know, the two week uh, end of season break, it'd just be a few easy runs. Uh, but I was always amazed at how much free time I had in my week. It's like, what do people do? Like, what do you do when you're, you're not running? All of a sudden, I've got, you know, two and a half hours or two hours extra in my day. So are there any, are there, you know, speaking to your structure for next week when you've got those extra few hours in your week, what do you what do you sort of do in your downtime to take your mind off running and, and just hit refresh and, and recover? To be honest, I haven't thought a lot about it. <laughs> yeah. um, at the moment, I'm just working so much. So if I'm not running, I'm working or eating or sleeping and that's pretty much my life so um yeah i think next week i will have a a few fair a few hours free which um is exciting but to be honest we'll probably just push back into work which is all about running anyway so (laughs) i do is running but um no it's good i think i'll probably hopefully spend a bit more time stretching and doing yoga and doing things that are also really beneficial for my mental health um but not necessarily pounding the pavement as 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 many cases i've been doing so um i'm yeah I, I should probably set up some um a plan to do other forms of exercise that aren't just running next week yeah is uh, is yoga a part of your regular training program yeah i probably do yoga maybe three two or three times a week um oh, nice like a, a mix of a mix of different styles um yes yeah, so i just use the nike training club app which um i find really easy to use and there's heaps of different workouts on there and plenty of mobility and yoga sessions and so i just pop that on usually when i get home from a run in the evening um and just follow a flow and it'll be anywhere from like 20 minutes up to 40 minutes and um i just find that stuff like although i'm so inflexible like really beneficial for me just to you know get some movement through my body and open my body up and get some space in my body even in my like you know chest and my back and stuff like just gets pretty tight because i'm either running which is very high impact or sitting at a desk um yeah both aren't very good for my body so um yeah being able to create some spaces has has been really helped and been really beneficial Hey, if you want to, um, if you, I, I, I'm trying to remember if I spoke to you about this because I feel like this guy's name comes up a bit in podcasts that I, I do. But if you, if you want to mix up your yoga uh, for, for next week or the next time you do it, have a look at this bloke. He's, he's so funny. He's got videos on YouTube from like the mid-90s. His name is Baron Baptiste. Did I tell you about this guy last time we spoke? Do you remember? Anyway, he's just, he's like, I feel like he's the stereotype of, of what a, of what like an American yoga instructor is like. It's a, it's hilarious, but I, I love him so much because he's his lines are so corny and they're so cliche. And and for whatever reason, it just clicks with me. I'm like, oh man, I just I'm a little bit in love with you, Baron. And it's just such poor video quality from the '90s. So um, if you hate it, I'm sorry. But if you love it, no worries. Just uh, do yourself a favor. He's got like a nice mix of of strength and. Um, 
it's weird as well because he's got like these weird choreograph. Not I don't know if choreograph's the right word, but um, everyone in the room it was clearly like a mid nineties uh, VHS video cassette that was people were going to buy and do. Everyone was like in uniform, so they had like their white uniform on and they were all perfectly in line. And I was like, mate, this is for how much thought has gone into this yoga class. This looks horrendous. <laughs> I want to be a part of it. It's so it's so embarrassing. Like when Jessie comes out into the uh, into the living room where I'm doing my yoga, she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed to be married to you." <laughs> this guy's just standing there going, "Don't try hard, try easy, try easy." And I'm like, "Oh mate, this is horrendous. I can't believe how much I love it." <laughs> but it is. It's such a. I'm pretty in, inflexible uh, too. Like especially, I don't know if it's got something to do with all the years of running. I'm sure it probably does. But just my hips. Like I'll try. I, I can now. Uh, finally sit down with my legs crossed but there was plenty of time there where I'd just rock backwards it was so embarrassing yeah I can't do it my hips are so tight so, uh, it's definitely the running yeah, like yeah. Like, I don't know if it's right it's definitely the running <laughs> yeah, yeah okay okay I stop questioning so I did ballet for about 10 years and I was so flexible and I could do the splits in all directions and I stopped about um doing ballet at about 14 and mm-hmm. and now I can't touch my toes I can't cross my legs like yeah. Because what are you, how old are you now? You're, are you a bit younger than me? I'm 34, you're 32? 31. 31? Yeah. Yeah, and you were roughly, roughly around the same mark. But yeah, it's funny. It's one of those things that like, I guess if you don't tap into your flat, like anything really, isn't it? But it's amazing how, how quickly that range of movement developed when I'm actually consistent with it. Yeah. And I was talking to a physio on here a while ago and he was saying that there's no, like not necessarily a correlation between an improved performance and and flexibility, but mentally I'm a little bit like you. I just, I feel so much better for, you know, even if it's just like a a bit of a yin class where I just switch off for a while and just do some long, slow sessions that I always finish that going, okay, my body's, my body's better off for it. Definitely. I think there, I'm not sure if there, there must be no research around it, but I definitely can feel improvement in my like flexibility and my performance after doing it more often, even just in one 30 minute class, my flexibility, you know, improves. So I think it's um, a no brainer really for runners. I think doing it too often can be dangerous. Like if you're stretching, you know, doing yoga every single day as a runner, it might not help um, because sometimes, you know, as a runner, you kind of want to be a little bit stiffer just to hold everything together and be able to absorb that impact really well. But um, I think for me, you know, two or three times a week is really beneficial. Yeah, that's a good point. Are you including that kind of stuff? So as a part of Femi, are you are you still coaching a, a whole heap of athletes? Yeah, so I personally probably have about 10, um, but we've got, um, yeah, over 50 athletes now. Um, wow. Femi, which is awesome, and we're just at capacity. We just, there's, we've got probably about 25 girls on a wait list. Um, so I'm just trying to find some more coaches so we can, um, yeah, onboard some more girls. But I, yeah, I still have quite a few athletes through Femi, and then I also have, my other coaching business, Allo Coaching. So I still have quite a few athletes there and then obviously Nike as well. So yeah, a wide variety of athletes, which is good. <laughs> so when you say Nike as well, what are you what are you doing with Nike? You're coaching through them. I remember you did mention something about this to me last year, but it's been a while, so I've blanked. Yeah, um, so I'm the head run, head run coach here in the Pacific. So um, at the moment, we're pretty busy because we have the Nike Melbourne Marathon coming up. So we've got yeah loads of people on um, the all the way through from the 5k to the marathon programs that we've um put together with my co-coach dave ridley so um we're coaching quite a few people there which is cool which is um yeah good fun (laughs) 
So what are you looking for with your with your coaches? Are you looking for for anyone in particular? Obviously, like female coaches. This is with with Femi. Like, is there is there a particular kind of person that you're on the hunt for, or have people already submitted applications, or, or what does that sort of space look like? We haven't necessarily put it out that we're looking for coaches. I'm very um, particular about the people we bring into our team, and I think it's rightly so. We just, you know, with Femi, the coaching, um, the programming and writing programs is one part of it. And, you know, if you've been a runner and you've grown up running, you're pretty experienced. You know, most people would know how to write a decent program. But it's actually the relationship side of things that's mm. the most important thing for us and being able to build a really safe environment where the girls can open up about things like menstrual cycles and other you know health issues or anything that's going on stresses family stresses that are going on um so it's all about like having a really yeah safe environment with between the coach and the athlete um and allowing that communication to flow really well so yeah when we when i think about females and female coaches that we're bringing into femi um it's so much about who they are as people rather than their experience with writing running programs and making sure they fit into the team right and yeah are able to work with the girls like the rest of the coaches do but we've got um a pretty big team now and we've just um brought in a team of experts we have a doctor who's an endocrinologist um a physiotherapist and dietitian as part of our team as well so yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> Man, that's super exciting because you, you mentioned early in this conversation that, yeah, you know, you're really quite focused on the holistic approach to, to what that is. And I guess you touched on that with, with who you're bringing into the team. But uh, what does holistic look like to a, to a runner, in, in your opinion? Like, what is it you're trying to cultivate, trying to create? What aspects and, and elements should we be, we be looking at? Like, I obviously know um, when you speak about menstruation and stuff, this is going to be one of the big f- focuses. It's probably, I've been in the sport for, for, yeah, as I said, twenty years now. Trained with so many, so many girls along the way. Never heard a coach mention your menstrual cycle. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm, I'm sure that's something I would have been exposed to just being in the scene. So, I feel as though you're bringing something fresh. You're bringing something new, which I, I don't know how popular it is in terms of in other sports around the world. But it, it certainly makes sense to me that with something that you're going through on such a regular basis, that it's something you need to pay attention to. But, but even beyond that, like, uh, what does what does holistic kind of look like? Yeah, you're so right. I think, you know, even myself growing up as a female athlete, we barely spoke about our menstrual cycles. And you really didn't get a coach that was asking you about your cycle. And if they were, they were probably suggesting that you go on the pill to get rid of your cycle because it's a nuisance. Um, And, you know, everything that we grew up learning, well, you know, learning Mm. um, and understanding was completely wrong. And um, even just the narrative that we were getting fed about, you know, try and get lean and get skinny because that means you're going to get fast. And if you lose your cycle, that's a really good thing. It shows that you're training hard enough. And all of that mindset is just so wrong. And hopefully what we're trying to undo um, through Femi. So holistic training to us is not just about the training of the actual execution of the running training and the running and um, the way that we want to build athletes to be fitter and faster and stronger is really one part of what we're trying to do. But ultimately, we're just trying to grow females' confidence and make females feel more empowered within themselves. We want females to, you know, take the confidence that they gain through movement and through sport and for us through running in particular, 
and take that confidence and take it into all industries around the world and and into all communities so that females feel they have a space to stand up and speak. And I think, you know, historically females have been told to sit down and shut up and, and to, you know, do the job and do whatever they've been told to do. And I think um, they just haven't felt comfortable or confident enough to actually push back and stand up and say what they're thinking and feeling. And, and so I guess ultimately it comes down to we want to kind of push back on you know the whole gender inequality and and find a space for females to feel safe in an environment where they can speak and um hopefully change that gender balance in all industries and um it's crazy when you think about we're just a female running coaching company but the end goal is changing gender equality i think um people may see that as a bit of a disconnect, but if you work through the steps of what sport can do for females, it's pretty powerful. And what we believe um, can, we can do through running is hopefully change you know, the world and um, yeah, change that gender equality. So holistic training, going back to that, is just about like not just taking into account the training stresses that we're providing the athletes. So not, you know, we, we know that training is just one stress, but females go through so many other stresses in their lives. and um, you know, whether it's work life or family life or, you know, whether it is training or other things that are happening, we have to take all of those account, all of those into account to make sure that we're providing her with the best training that's going to benefit her and complement everything else that's going on in her life rather than just be like, here's your training and it's going to make you really fit and make you peak for this race and mm. go away and do it and we'll see you at the finish line. It's very much like... We want to write a program that fits into everything else you have going on. It fits into those hormonal changes. You know, we know that this week's going to be a high hormone phase. We're going to pull the training back. Or we know this week you're going to have a big presentation at work. We want to make sure that the stress you're going through at work is going to be balanced by the stress of your training and not too much and push you over the edge. Um, we, You know, like things need to be adapted and changed depending on what's going on in your life. We would do that straight away to make sure that the female feels like she's getting something back from her training I think we never want her to feel like her running outlet is just an additional stress where she ends mm. up resenting it and not wanting to do it like running is a gift and we should all be very grateful that we can run so um, to be able to provide a training program that complements everything else in her life is kind of our, our goal and then for her to walk away and feel really empowered in her body um, is exactly what we want to do and I think bringing the menstrual cycle stuff into the conversation is like allowing the female to understand that these changes are happening in her body and educate her on these changes um, will also allow her to feel empowered because she's in control. You know, we grew up where we didn't, I personally didn't know anything that was going on in my body. And when I was having a really tough day, either mentally or physically in training, I hated myself and I doubted myself and my confidence fell off. And um, I didn't realize it was just, science and it was my physiology just doing its thing and in a few days i'm going to be fine mm. um, so hopefully we can kind of change that the way that females look at themselves yeah how old were you when you started to realize hang on a second this isn't just me like experiencing this by myself this is something that we all like all of us girls go through uh, together because as I said I've, I've never heard it spoken about until I spoke to you granted I'm not asking too many girls this question because it's sort of like a, a weird jump from how you go into like what part of your menstrual phase you in <laughs> but in terms of in terms of just getting that confidence to go all right I'm actually in some pretty good company here and and this is uh, something that not only can I see the the end to in in myself just a few days time I'll feel so much better um 
was there a particular event? Was there a particular realization that that made you go, "Whoa, this is this is completely normal"? Or was that just getting older and you know starting to open up with with friends about what it was you're going through? I think um, there's a few, probably a few different things that went on in my life that made me get to kind of where I am now and understanding my hormones. But I I know like when I was a teenager, um, I went on the pill when I was about literally 12 or 13 years old and I would have just started my period and I remember going to a doctor and without questions that doctor put me on the pill and and that I had no idea about the side effects or the dangers or anything that can come from being on the pill I just started taking the pill and it was purely because I had acne and I wanted to get rid of my acne I wasn't sexually active or anything like that it was I just wanted to fix my skin and the doctor allowed me to go on the pill at such a young age and honestly, when I, I first went on the pill, and I, I know I like started, I felt terrible about myself mentally. Um, I started gaining weight from the pill. There were so many side effects that I went through. So I didn't last very long. I can't remember how long. Maybe it would have been a few months of that um, where I stayed on it. And then when I came off it, my cycle got really bad and really heavy. And I just remember being, you know, a young 13, 14-year-old with a, cycle that was just like I was I didn't know what was going on with my body at all and all we got told you know you go through PE health um, education and you just get told that you get your period once a month and that's that and you've got to deal with it um, and there's so many negative connotations around our cycle at such a young age as well like oh it's such a drag like you got to deal with that and this and that it's terrible and as an athlete it's going to be annoying and there's so many things that made me create a really negative relationship with my menstrual cycle which in turn created a really negative relationship with my body and my confidence and so that was probably like my earliest memories of my menstrual cycle and then as I got older um, I ended up going through red s which is relative energy deficiency syndrome and I, I went through red s when I was about 25 so not that long ago now and I fell into a state of low energy availability and until this point um, sorry, I just have someone at the Wait, I, I'm the podcast edit king, no stress. <laughs> sorry. No, don't be silly. This is all part of the it's all part of the business. Was that a little parcel? It is, yeah. My book. I, I, nice. Uh, um yeah, until so when I was about twenty five I fell into a state of low energy availability. So until this point we had known low energy availability or red S was known as the female athlete triad, um, which is all about females who are suffering eating disorders, so under eating or under fueling, um, and then lose their menstrual cycle and also suffer bone health um, issues. So end up falling into their own states of getting stress fractures and recurring stress fractures and and so at that point, when I was about 25, I lost my menstrual cycle um, from multiple different reasons. I was underfueling, but I was probably training too much and I was under a lot of stress at work. Um, but, you know, because I hadn't, um, I didn't look under, you know, fed, I, I looked pretty healthy um, and I wasn't suffering bone stress injuries. So I didn't necessarily fall into the female athlete triad, I just lost my menstrual cycle, and I shouldn't say just, but that's what had happened to me. And so after I went through um, this, I guess, journey, which I understood at the time was chronic fatigue, um, 
because I was just so fatigued all the time and having my mes- losing my menstrual cycle was just one of them. Um, I guess I did a lot more research around hormone health and um, I ended up reading the book Raw, which is written by Dr. Stacey Sims and understanding a lot more about female physiology and how different we are to men and how we need to train, recover and feel differently to men. And I guess through reading her book, I actually became um, more empowered in regaining my menstrual cycle and getting a really healthy menstrual cycle back. Um, And so I took a bit of time out of my own training and then dove pretty deep into this research with Dr. Stacey Sims. I ended up doing her online courses and learning a lot more about relative energy deficiency syndrome. So what that is and is now replaced the female athlete triad, which is really good because men can also fall into this bucket as well, which is low energy availability. And what happens with females is when we're not fueling ourselves enough to get enough energy, our bodies um, internally start to shut down. And one of the first things that will happen to females is that we will lose our menstrual cycles because our body knows that we can survive without them um, and that we are probably not in a state to you know, have a baby at that point. So our bodies will shut down the menstrual cycle. Um, and then, you know, there's so many other side effects and symptoms that can come along with red. So for me, it was like my hair was falling out. My skin was terrible. My bowel movements, sorry, too much information. But <laughs> oh, no, we are. We uh, listen to any episode with Alan McLean. We, we talk about poo so much that it's going to And you have to talk about it when you're a runner as well. It's just part of the territory, unfortunately. <laughs> well, well, I was just not having any bowel movements. And, and like, I was so... Um, so unwell but ignored all the signs for so long because I just wanted to keep powering through um, and be, you know, this powerful female that I had this mm. idea who I was at the time. And um, and so I learned a lot more about hormone health and how important hormone health was, is and how it can affect our training and how our training can affect our hormone health. And, um, yeah, I just spent a lot of time researching and I think that's kind of what led me to be like, well, if I didn't know this information and I'm an elite athlete, Um, surrounded by some pretty smart people and no one's told me this information you know how many other females are also like living a life where they don't even know how their bodies are functioning and how these hormones Mm. affect them so I guess between myself and Esther who's my co-founder who's also been through her own journey with REDS um, we decided we wanted to start FEMI to be able to educate other females around how they can work better with their bodies. Yeah, no, that's really well said. About it was it was seriously about ten years ago. I had a conversation with with Jessie, and uh, it, she was on the pill, and she's like, I just feel like for her, she's like, I just I feel weird. She started going through a bit of a phase of of just really focusing on not only what she was eating, but just the things that we're bringing to our house. And a, as a result, I think she started to pay attention to a little bit more of of, of you know what's considered natural. And she was looking at, you know, things from deodorant to toothpaste and soap and things. And, and as a result of all that, she decided that she didn't want to be on the pill. And um, and I'd never even thought about the the impact that it might have on, you know, physical performance. She's obviously not doing it for any athletic reasons. But I think you said before, I don't, I don't know if I heard you correctly, that, you know, a lot of athletes, uh, or a lot of coaches will have a talented athlete and they'll just put them on the pill so they don't have to worry about um, the menstrual cycle and it being a, an issue in their, their training routine but like is 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 that a i don't know how much of a factor that is to performance like you could speak a lot more to this but but being on the pill for for like i guess is quite a common thing for so many women and i I guess a lot of people might not have ever considered how that impacts their body how it impacts their training is is that something that um like is there any correlation between being on it and performance or being off it and performance that you can speak to um 
I try not to go too deep into the pill too often because I know, you know, there is a time and a place for it and some women really need to be on it for health reasons. And mm-hmm. I'll never tell someone to not go on the, on the pill, you know, because everybody is different. And some people react fine to it and they have no symptoms and they're okay and, um, and they're fine to perform well on it. Um, but it's those women who get put on it and they do have the side effects and the symptoms and it does hold them back in performance. And I think what we do at Femi is, and we've you know seen the results and how I've been training myself over the last couple of years to my cycle, um, it just shows that if you can have a natural cycle and you can use those hormone fluctuations to your advantage, you're only gonna perform better anyway. So, um, it's a hard one, yeah. Like I just, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd hate to steer people away from mm. the patient. I'm not a doctor at all, and that's not my place. Um, but I think if you're in a position where you can have a natural cycle, I think personally that's the best way to perform um, and get the best out of your body. I think yeah, the natural way is always the best way. Yeah, I guess there's plenty of trial and error as well along the way of, of you know trying to do a long run on the day where you just you, you shouldn't be doing a long run and, and vice versa, is there? Yeah, there is. I mean, I've tested out lots of different theories with my own body, and I know, like, I know now exactly what days I'm not going to feel great on. Um, and like I said, I'll change my training so I don't have something really tough on those days because it's not going to make me feel good if I fail at a workout or a long run and don't, you know, don't recover well from it. It's not going to make me feel good mentally or physically. So I've done yeah, quite a bit of tests on myself, but even just with the athletes now, we're a year old. I've got athletes that I've been working with right from the start of um, of Femi. And um, seeing, you know, the benefits in those athletes as well has been amazing. So just to be part of their journey has been cool. It's crazy how how well things have gone. So last time we spoke was, uh, I actually think it was a couple of days or maybe a week before you officially launched Femi. And I remember you giving me like a little bit of an overview as to what it was going to look like. And it's been cool just to watch it grow, but to hear how well you guys are going, how much of an impact and your vision for it as well is... uh, is insane like it, it sounds like a, a really exciting project so it's no no surprise to me that there's there's plenty of people on the wait list so so for any any girls out there who are really interested in getting involved they just uh it's so funny jesse's just come she stood at the front of the window that i'm at right now she started doing being a show off doing squats she's trying to find out if i finish this podcast um but what they just go to your website they put their name on the wait list and um you know obviously when there's a space when there's a few more coaches on board you'll get in touch with them and, and welcome them on board yeah, so we've got quite a few exciting things. If you're someone who wants to come on board as an athlete, definitely head to femi.co. That's our website, and you can sign up on our wait list. And if um, mm-hmm. we're open, you should be able to tell on our website whether we have openings or not. I might go put my name on the wait list. Yeah. Sounds really good. <laughs> I think I'm going to be rejected. <laughs> we also are launching, hopefully by the end of this year, we're um, launching an online education tool for people to do is who become more educated on how to work with female athletes so it will be um part half of the course will be on the physiology and the science behind working with females and then the other half will be around the relationship and communication side of working with females so um we're hoping to just push that course out to as many people but in particular men and males and guys who are definitely in the sporting arena, whether they're coaches or managers or in leadership positions, as well as PE teachers, people, anyone that works with females really, um, they don't need to be elite athletes at all, just anyone that wants to learn how to work better with females. So um, yeah, we're really excited about that. And even for females to do the course, it's a great way to understand our own bodies a lot better um, and we've got our, our experts, our endocrinologist and our physio and our dietitian bringing 
all the um, physiological stuff to life. And then between Esther and I, we'll be bringing the rest of the course to life. So, yeah, we're excited for that. So if you're, if you're someone that wants to get more educated, just keep an eye out. And um, we're hoping to have that launched by December. Yeah, awesome. That sounds really good. Hey, before we go, the postie just knocked on your door. You said you got a couple of books. What's on the uh, What's on the schedule? What are you What are you going to be reading? Would you like to see? Yeah, I'd love to. I'm such a I'm a I'm a little bit of a I've got a real appreciation for actual hard copy books. Yeah, I feel like it's uh, they're starting to become like the records because I, I listen to Audible so much now that when I see a good book, I yeah get a little bit of a little bit of a fist pump. Game on! Hey, here we go. Hey, right on cue. Game on! Women's sport. Yeah, the I saw someone recommended this on Instagram and I just went ahead and bought it straight away. So, um, yeah, I can't awesome. even really remember what, I think it's just a bunch of different female athletes telling their stories. I'm not hundred percent sure, <laughs> but I, I'm going to get straight into that one. Awesome. Um, awesome. And then I don't know what the other one is to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like a little impulse purchase. I was meant to buy the Alchemist, and I bought Alchemy. Whoops. Oh, yeah, yeah. Alchemist is a is it? Have you read it before? I haven't, um, but I've been told to read it. So I was going to say I'll send it to you, but I actually thought I had it, but I, I gave it as a gift to my dad a couple of years ago. He was going on a holiday overseas, and uh, it was he wouldn't necessarily class himself as a big reader, but uh, but the Alchemist is it's like a it should be on everyone's twelve month reading list just as a little reminder that uh. Yeah, I had two people recommend it to me in awesome. two days. So I was like, I need that one too. And then I went and bought the wrong one. So <laughs> my Man, well, good. The magic of original thinking in a world of mind-numbing conformity. So that sounds... That actually does sound quite good. Alchemy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well played. Well, as always, I know I said this to you last year. It's so true. Nothing's changed. I, I seriously could just keep talking to you for forever. It's nice to have a podcast where things just things just flow so naturally and it's uh it's just a good chat good to be able to catch up with you so uh hey as i always oh as i said to you last time as well yeah you're welcome on here anytime always good to to touch base and you know if you've got any any big news uh hey reach out and we'll uh we'll do another one amazing yeah so nice to catch up thank you for having me